Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to Training Well Done. This is your host, Coach Donald, and I am here with a friend of mine, Kayleen Morizumi. We are here to talk about the what, the why, the how of good quality training on this podcast. So make sure you like, subscribe, and share with a friend, and let us know what you learned on this. So uh, on this episode, Kayleen has a very interesting story about what brought her into running and you know just some of the ups and downs of her athletic career um she recently did her first half marathon which was really awesome and i recently today suffered through a very brutal 11 mile run and i am in a lot of pain and i am looking forward to a long saturday afternoon nap um how you feeling today kayleen good tired but ready for i'm happy it's the weekend yes cheers to that so um glad you're here so kayleen uh you used to actually train here at ghp for for quite a while and then um you moved to the uh sunny north carolina tell us a little bit about like your background with sports and athletics Um, so I've always played sports. My parents put my brother and I in sports when basically as soon as we could start walking. Um, I come from a really, really active family. So like he and I primarily played soccer when we were younger. So we both played for like 10 plus years. Um, but like my parents cycle a lot. We did a lot of traveling and hiking. And so really, really active. Um, I didn't really specialize in any sports too much. I played pretty much every sport under the sun that I could. Uh, did five different sports in high school, was mediocre at most of them. Um, my main sport was swimming, of all things. Um, but then I got to college and said, nope, don't want to do that. So I started playing ultimate frisbee because my brother played in college. So he taught me how to throw and all that. So uh, I did that and kind of been, well, mostly been doing that ever since. I took a, a brief hiatus for three years after I graduated from college. Um, had to go to grad school and do real adult things, unfortunately. <laughs> um, didn't really have time to play. And then started playing again when I was, I guess, 25. And gave myself the goal of getting to nationals uh, within three years of coming back into playing. Wait, we're the same age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 92. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. But then I got so used to being around people who like are a few years younger. I'm like, are we the same age? You said you took a three year hiatus. How's your time for that? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm used to, I, I live with people that are younger than me and coach people that are younger than me. So, yeah, I forget my age a lot. I feel yeah. old. Uh, it's fun. Uh, so, yeah, I gave myself a goal of three years to nationals. Um, but in that three years, I got injured a lot. So uh, we can talk about the really crazy one we'll get a little bit. <laughs> what? So we'll get there in just a second. Yeah. For, for yeah. Our listeners, what is ultimate Frisbee? Because like, you know, people who know me personally, I have a, a good idea what ultimate Frisbee is. I feel like there's a lot of people listening that are like, wait, ultimate Frisbee? Like, you mean like you just throw the Frisbee, right? Or some people are like, oh, you mean like a disc golf thing, right? And it's like, no, like the, the word ultimate actually does mean something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I, I haven't had to explain this in a really, really long time to anyone. Um, I guess I would say it's like a combination of like football where you're like trying to score in an end zone, but you can't run with the Frisbee. So it's all just throwing it. And like there's elements of soccer, there's elements of basketball, there's elements of football. It's kind of a weird sport. We do a lot of weird shit. <laughs> I call it basketball on the football field. So you got seven on yeah. seven. Yep. You score by catching it in the end zone, y'all. And But when you catch it on the way, like, you have to stop running. So it's a bunch of, at a higher level, it's a bunch of one-on-one -on -one matchups about, you know, who can beat the other person to an open space. But if your person doesn't catch it for any reason, it's a turnover, unless it was, like, a foul. And even then, sometimes it's still a turnover. <laughs> um, so it's very, very fast-paced. Think, like, the speed of basketball 
but on a football field. People really underestimate the type of fitness that you need to play ultimate. It is wild. I mean, especially like once you get up to like the higher levels, like with you like AUDL and then like high level club stuff and high level college, like it takes a lot. Like last summer, the amount of training that I was doing just to play was insane. Like we were having 10 plus hours of practice a week and then running additional track workouts and other gym stuff on top of that. Like that was my life. What? The part-time job just training. Yeah, no, and like, I like was thinking about this the other day, like in college, um, so like most universities across the country like have ultimate programs, it's it's pretty popular, and like it was pretty big at, at my university, um, our women's club had about 50 people total split between two teams, yeah, um, so I loved it, it was great, but the amount of training that that took per week, I like purposely didn't pursue swimming in college because I didn't want to spend like 20 hours a week training for that. Little did you know. (laughs) Right? I like, I played frisbee. It wasn't 20 hours a week, but I I recently like thought about it and I was like, oh, it was probably in the realm of like 12 to 15 hours a week and then plus tournaments. So, um, and you don't get any accommodations for your schedule or anything. (laughs) So none. I remember no. college, I did college track in like for a couple of years. And that was about, you know, not including needs. That was easily about 13 to 14 hours a week. Um, and that was only, be, it was only that much because I would never go to the trainer's office in ice after. And I would always show up right before practice started, right when practice was over. And I went to grad school, like, oh, I'm going to do ultimate Frisbee in grad school. And I was like, yo, y'all want to do three hour practices three times a week? I remember I tried that for about a month and a half, and then I saw my midterm grades, and I said, all right, so yeah, I'm going to see y'all next year, because I can't do this. Yeah, no, that's, uh, my GPA went up significantly between undergrad and grad school. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like graduated undergrad with like a 3.0, which was fine. It was what I needed to get me into grad school. Uh, Graduated grad school with almost a 4.0. Hey. So, (laughs) didn't play Frisbee, had no life made a big difference uh, about. but yeah no like the training for frisbee it's wild because like you you need the endurance training like mm-hmm. you have to be able to run for be on your feet for a really really long period of time i mean like to give people some idea like when we go to tournaments like you can be playing four two-hour games a day for two days straight um that's 16 hours of hard yeah. work <laughs> over it's, two days awful your body feels terrible afterwards but you also have to be able to sprint and have that explosiveness with the endurance so it's really hard it's not easy to train for um like all the other sports i've played i think i've had an easier time training for because it was really obvious of like okay i just need to be able like basketball like i need to be explosive and jump and like do these things but i don't really like endurance isn't as much of a thing games are short you sub in and out it's fine um, like volleyball again, explosiveness, but like you're not running around the whole time. It's fine. And then swimming is just like pure endurance. Mm-hmm. Fine. I was never a sprinter in swimming, so <laughs> easy. But but yeah, fr- frisbee is a, a weird one to train for. What would you say are like and, some of the most- and a lot of people underestimate it, and Oops, a lot of people. I found that there's a lot of people, and like this is gonna sound really mean. <laughs> for some of my teammates that I had this past summer here in North Carolina. Because um, even coming off of an injury, I was I felt like I was out-training most people, um, which I was like, y'all should be doing a little bit more than me if I'm coming off of this. But I think there's a lot of people, especially when you get to the elite level, that they want to be at the elite level, but they underestimate how much training it actually takes um, and how much you actually need to take care of your body to make that happen. Yeah. So, and that's what I've learned in the past few years is how to actually take care of my body and like rest. Yeah, that's what you needed to be doing years ago. Rest. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it at all in college and then like turned 25 and tried to do the same stuff and my body was just like, nope. People really forgetting as adults, like especially as young adults, that our actual work takes a toll on us physically with our energy and our ability to just kind of do stuff. Right. Going to class three hours a day, 
you know, here and there and going to some clubs. Like, that's nothing compared to, like, actually working. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. What would you say are, like, like, give us, like, three, four, like, the most important qualities that you need to train for when it comes to playing ultimate, just to kind of give people, even if there's people listening to ultimate that are trying to understand what they should be doing training wise. And for people who are like, man, what are y'all really talking about? Maybe they didn't actually take the time to go and Google while they were listening. It's like, what's the university? Like a little, a little clue they need to be working on. I think like the, the main thing that I have learned, especially like through my injuries and getting older and like, playing at that high level where your body is just taking a beating is you need to train your body to be durable. Mm. Um, that like to me is the, that's such an elusive thing to train for. I think like, and durability, and it depends on the player type and what you're doing. But like, for me, that's like making sure that my body can handle the changes of direction because that's what's super hard on my body. Like ultimate, like you're in cleats, you're on grass and you're when you're trying to get the disc like you're doing lots of like juking and really quick changes direction and that can be really hard on your knees and especially as a woman playing the sport I'm already at an increased risk for knee injuries and ACL tears are pretty common in our sport um so I think really getting your body trained to be durable and like to withstand the amount of force you're gonna put on it um second I think is like being able to be explosive so there's a lot of jumping involved and then just like having to go from like zero to 60 really fast. Um, so that takes a lot of training. And I think that's the thing that people underestimate how much they need to train for that. Um, because, and again, like if you look at the injuries that we see in our sport, like a lot of people blow their hamstrings out, um, like hamstring quads, calves, like all those things that like, if you don't train those properly to withstand those forces again, like you might, you're not going to have a good time with that. Um, and like, lastly with me, it was just like endurance training. Mm -hmm. I've always found that to be really helpful. Um, but that's also naturally what I gravitate towards as an athlete. I would say yeah. that, and like looking at my family and what my family excels at, it's very clearly genetic that we are more of like endurance type athletes. Um, my dad and my brother, like my brother also runs a lot, cycles a lot. Um, my dad has done absurdly insane things like roller skating marathons. Like, Wait, what? A roller skating marathon? I was going to say like a yeah. marathon. A roller skating marathon. What is that? Yeah, like, I was like on the road. So he just, exactly like, what I think he it is. Like, he just rollerbladed like 26 miles. He's done a race like that before. Um, he also free dives and like at one point had like a four or five minute bottom time i don't know what he still has for his breath holding capabilities but pretty good he's in really good shape what hold on hold on, hold on. i'm still still on a rollerblading i can't go out for a night of rollerblading <laughs> for an hour without getting a blister like if i go out for i do like maybe 10 loops around like my feet already start to hurt give me like 30 loops in total for the night i probably got a blister this yeah probably about a half a mile's worth and this man just did 26 miles with rollerblades on his feet I never heard of that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was a thing either until he did one. And I was like, how did you find this? Why did you do this? So that should explain a little bit about why I decided just to run a half marathon. My family does shit like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, ultimate frisbee. Not, not weird. So you go to nationals last year and you hit your goal of going to nationals with Toro. So uh, shout out to you. Like, that's awesome. And I'm really glad you got to do that. Now, this year, we had a very, very big wrench in all of our life plans called the coronavirus. <laughs> and, um, you know, that kind of reshaped things for you. But even leading up to that, you went to nationals and you had this big, crazy injury before that. I have my own way of describing it. But before I describe it, Tell us about this injury. Um, yeah, so I guess first I'll explain that how I injured myself. And this is, again, a little more Frisbee education. So there, there's something you do in Frisbee called laying out. So if I'm running after a disc and I'm not going to be able to reach it, uh, you can basically just dive horizontally to get the disc. Um, and like 
spoiler alert, that's how I've hurt myself pretty much most of my injuries that I've had in the past four years have all been laying out because you're in full speed and then you're throwing yourself sometimes like chest high in the air and then landing. It's a lot of force on your body. It hurts. It's like um, jumping you don't do out of a right. car that's going like 20 miles yep. Yeah, and then... You can be like 20 miles an hour because you're sprinting when you do this. Not like the jogging. Yeah. Uh, and then if the ground is especially hard, it hurts. Um, I mean, like, I've bruised ribs on this, potentially broken ribs. It's fun. Um, so basically, I did this, and I landed okay, except what my doctor said probably happened is that the ground was uneven, and when I hit it with my, around my knee, part of my leg stopped moving and part of it didn't. Um, so the injury that I had was called degloving and it happened um, on the inside part of my knee. So I think that's um, pretty, you can kind of get an idea of what this is. Um, so if you have like your muscle and your fat and your skin, all these layers are supposed to be connected. Um, and they move together as one. What I did is I sheared them apart. So do you want to explain this in your terms? <laughs> so I remember in high school, my 12th grade year, I started to cook. And I remember, um, you know, my foster mom at the time, she would like bake chicken and it would come out. It was, she baked it in water. And so the skin and the meat would separate. And I, when you told me this, it was like, so basically it's like when I have baked chicken, or like really wet chicken and the skin just slides off of the meat. Like when you try to like cut it and it just slides, like that's what happens. So for y'all listening, think about your knee and your whole thigh and then the skin just kind of separating from it and everything moving not at unison. <laughs> yeah. I was telling some people this morning that I was going to have this. They were like, what are you doing today? I was like, oh, I have an interview with one of our old members. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, I'll tell them what it's about. I'm like, oh, but she has crazy injury. And the one woman, she cringed so bad. It was like, wait, you said her legs separated, like how the skin separates from chicken. I was like, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so what yeah, was your no, recovery it was like? A... It was a what? Yeah, recovery was interesting. <laughs> I'll put like, it that way. Not a, like a regular protocol for that, I imagine. No, um, but I will say I, I'm incredibly lucky and privileged. And one of the beautiful things about living in Pittsburgh and working for Pitt was that I got access to UPMC for my healthcare. And for people that don't know, like UPMC Sports Med is premier. Like it is the doctors and everyone there are the best at what they do. Um, they operate and provide care to some of the best professional athletes in the world. So they're really, really good at what they do. Um, so I was actually really fortunate to have a doctor who actually had seen this injury before. Um, huge. That was like, I think made the biggest like impact for me. Um, so he had seen this injury before and he so when I came in and I was like, I don't know what happened. My knees swelled up and I can't move and like hurts a lot. And like, he looked at it, poked around and was like, all right, we'll get you an MRI. Like maybe you might've torn your MCL, but the more he looked at it, I like, he had this look on his face of like, I think I know what this is. And then he like ran out of the room really fast and like came back with an ultrasound machine. And it was like, right, I just want to look at this. He's like, we're still going to get an MRI to confirm it. But like, I think I know what's happening here did the ultrasound like you could just see like the layers there was just like, a huge like black gap between them oh my god um, yeah so and he was like okay i don't want to treat this yet until we get the mri to confirm it and like really know what this is and where it is and how big it is um but yeah so he had seen this injury before and he had actually seen it in a female athlete before so i got really really lucky um he was amazing and fantastic so he was able to really clearly explain out like what the treatment was going to be. Um, and also could explain to me that like, Hey, this is not a common injury. This is a very rare injury. So like your recovery, like there's not really a set template or timeline that's going to follow. Like it's going to depend on you and your body and like 
we so basically what they had to do is gonna be really gross so the the lesion that forms between the layers just fills up with fluid so they had to drain all the fluid out there was a lot of it it's gross i have pictures if people want to see but it's gross uh, <laughs> so he was like all right we're just gonna like drain that out and then compress everything back together so like wrap your knee and then he's like all right if it keeps filling back up with fluid we'll keep draining it um and then it'll at some point hopefully everything will just heal back together but he did warn me that it could turn a little bit more chronic which is unfortunately what happened with mine so he was like all right just he basically was like all right once this has kind of gotten once we were past like the six to eight week mark he was like all right you can like start trying to do stuff on your knee again but just like take it easy and if it starts to swell up or hurt like you got to pull back um and then again, it turned chronic. So I had to, I had another procedure done, which is like kind of a, it's not experimental, but it's not really a commonly done one. Um, it's called, or it's not usually used for this a lot, but it's called sclerotherapy. So basically, as he explained it to me, is to inject an agent into the lesion that basically irritates all of the tissue and that stimulates healing and that stimulates it to stick back together so what we injected into my knee was antibiotics um it was very very painful one of the most painful things i've experienced it was really not fun um and he warned me like he he did like he it wasn't like the oh you'll feel a slight pinch bullshit um he warned me but it got injected into my knee and like I barely made it back out to my car before I was like, oh, I can't walk. Like, this is insanely painful. Um, but so we did that. That kind of worked. I mean, my recovery was just really long. I didn't, I couldn't run for about eight months. I did very much, like, I didn't really do any cardio for about eight months. Like, even biking an elliptical would still cause it to, like, swell up a bunch and hurt. Um, so, like, also like it wasn't just the lesion like and just like the stuff pulling apart like i damaged my muscles like i tore my muscles apart i had a lot of capillary disruption i damaged a lot of nerves i still to this day have a huge numb spot on my knee that will most likely be permanent um wow so and it took me a really long time to understand that like those were things that happened and would need a lot more time to heal like the lesion itself can heal but like those muscles and all those other tissues like it took me a really long time to get over that. So I didn't run for eight months. And then I decided, oh, we have club tryouts coming up. Let me just ramp up into this super fast. Um, which ordinarily would not have gone well. But I think the thing that was my saving grace is that I was able to lift throughout my whole recovery. Couldn't run, somehow was able to keep lifting. Um, I remember like we hit a PR for my deadlift while I was in my recovery. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing that you were still able to lift like through all that because, you know, we were even doing a little bit of jumping. You got the one video on your Instagram where you doing the cutting workout and it was like, you could still lift. Like you were able to lift like not very long after you got seen. Like it was within yeah. a that you started lifting again after the injury actually happened. Meanwhile, your legs look crazy. Yeah. No, like I, and that was like the weirdest thing was I've, I've never had an injury before where it was like cardio and like certain things were just like huge nose, but oh, go deadlift 200 pounds. Oh, your knee's fine. Like that didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> where does that make sense at? No. Um, so that I think is the only reason I was able to ramp back up into training as fast as I was because I had that huge I had a really good foundation um it still sucked I still had I was still compensating and I had some discrepancies so I had a couple quad issues flare up so that was not fun um but I also got to go on vacation and it was fine so I go. had a natural healing time what I said, there you go about the vacation <laughs> yeah, yeah I just went to Japan and like ate straight for two weeks it was wait crazy. when did you go to japan i feel like i missed last, that. last summer yeah it was it was right after i moved okay um yeah uh 
Jake's family was going, so they kindly let me tag along. It was amazing. Family from Japan, or did they just take a trip there? No, they took a trip there. It, okay. it was incredible, though, because um, his brother graduated from college last year, so it was like a graduation trip. But I just ate all the food, so that was a good part of my recovery too. It was just now, don't train, I, don't do anything. How did you mentally? handle that because that happened um in what spring 18 right the in the injury or was that no that happened labor day of 2018 labor day 2018 no, that was that late in the year um yeah <laughs> that was that late and so you didn't and you went and played this past year uh last year like how did you mentally handle that you, you had an injury that is very rare you had an injury that you didn't really know the timeline of that recovery for, and you didn't really know like what to expect when it was over with. Like, how did you mentally kind of handle that? Um, I mean, I would of course like to say I handled that amazingly well, but that is not true. Um, Give us the real beans. <laughs> It was it was a rough time. Um, yeah, the the uncertainty was was awful, and like I had, I had days and weeks where I thought I'm never gonna be able to play this sport again. Um, like I didn't know what I was gonna be able to do. I was like, I don't even know if I can really run again, um, like in the same capacity. So, and like the only way I was getting through that was because I had a great support system. So like. I mentioned my doctor. I had a doctor who, like, I could vent these frustrations to, and, like, he would actually listen to me and, like, help me through it. Like, dude is amazing. I also had, had like, you training me, and, like, being able to do something with my body was huge because I didn't feel like I was just, you know, unable to do things. Um, and, like, beyond just training with you, like, the whole family at GHP, like, that was super helpful to me because it's a group of people that, you know, we're there to suffer together and we, <laughs> you make sure of that. <laughs> um, but it's also a group that I found that we could all celebrate our victories together, big or small. Um, and that was something that was really, really useful to me was being part of a group where, you know, you, you come in and some days people are having good days and bad days and it, it doesn't matter. Like you're just there in the gym working and like being with other people and then uh the other thing was my, my partner he was the one that got to see the brunt of my meltdowns um and like the days that i would come home and literally be crying because i couldn't even sit at work without my knee just blowing up and being in pain um so no it mentally it was rough but i've had a lot of training in mental toughness um through sports and then just through life experiences. Um, so this was a good test of that. And I had to just really, like, it really forced me just to take it one day at a time. And like the times that I would freak out were the times when I was thinking too far ahead of like, what if I can't do this? And I was like, no, just take it one day at a time. Like that's what my doctor told me to do. Um, that's just kind of how I had to take it. And yeah, it it was not an easy time. Yeah, um, it's amazing yeah. that you know you pulled through that. You know, we, we people hear stories about people who overcome these different injuries, but there's a reason that you hear these stories. It's because so many people will have an injury and then they stop. Like it's like I give up. Like this was too traumatic. Like I can't do this again. There's plenty of people who who do that, which is what makes you know hearing stories like this so remarkable because it's just not common. And, you know, I re finished rereading re this book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And he tells this story in there, uh, highlighting one of his points about, um, you know, it was, it was really about businesses that go from good to great. But he talked about there was a guy who was a Vietnam prisoner of war. And he got shot down in a plane and he, had, he was in a camp for like three years. And he mentioned that um, one of his principles are, being able to brutally address the actual facts of the situation in this guy. They didn't know when they were going to get out. And so he eventually gets out and, you know, they ask him like, you know, how did you make it? It was like, I just took it one day at a time and realized that I just had an unwavering faith that this was going to work out, but 
I didn't know when, and I couldn't really focus on that part. And they were like, so who did not make it out of the camp? And he just, they said he laughed, like, it was the optimists that didn't make it out of the camp. They kept thinking, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. Oh, we'll be out by, you know, Easter. And then they would come, and they would come again, and they didn't make it. And so for you to kind of go through, like, all right, I don't know when this is going to happen. I'm not going to say that it's going to be ready by next summer or next spring or next winter. Like, it's just going to be ready, but I'm going to just kind of keep rolling through it until it's that time. Like, that's commendable. Yeah, no, it was, it was all worth it to me, too. And, like, if you had told me that a year, a year to the day after my injury that not only would I be back to playing but I played in the very same tournament that I got injured in um which was was pro champs which is probably like the most elite club tournament outside of nationals that happens every year so I got to go back to that tournament where I hurt myself the year before I got to play it um I it was probably one of my best tournaments ever (laughs) um which I wasn't expecting and like my team we beat the reigning national champs that day. Wow. Talk about a Cinderella story. Well, I mean, we think the rest of our season is fine, but, um, <laughs> but like the getting to be out there on the field, playing that level of talent. Um, uh, and I, I think I made like one of my best defensive plays I've ever oh, yeah, made what in my entire career. Um, so like, yeah, so we're playing AMP, which is a team from Philadelphia. They are amazing team, two-time back-to-back national champs, like incredible team, great athletes, great players. So I was on like one of their best players, and like I have height on her. She's a couple inches shorter than me, but she's way more explosive than me and is a really good thrower. So I was like, all right, I don't want you anywhere near the disc. Like we're gonna keep you as far away from getting the disc as possible. So I basically just like pushed her as deep as I could and her team threw a huck up to her. So I was, she was deep of me about like maybe five yards, maybe more. So like I saw the huck the minute, the huck is just a really long throw. Um, I saw it the minute it went up and just took off, like hauled ass probably more than I had. And Oh yeah. Just like, Like, my, all my sprint training with you just took over, and it was like, all right, just go. Like, don't think about it, just go. Um, and then, like, we're in the end zone, and I see the disc coming down, and I'm like, I'm going to get to this. And I had to lay out for it a little bit. It was just like, but I got it, and I beat her, and she didn't get a goal out of it. Um, I also took an injury immediately after this happened <laughs> because I can't feel – so since I have, like, very I have nerve damage in my knee where the injury occurred I can't feel anything Mm. so I laid out which is still really scary to me at the time like that's how I hurt myself so it was really scary still to lay out and like I knew I had like hit my knee a little bit so I was like I'm gonna take an injury because I need to make sure I didn't break my knee again which I didn't it was fine but but yeah like that that day was wild and like that made the whole injury recovery process worth it just to like get that redemption. Um, I mean, like I also would have been happy if I hadn't gotten that redemption, but it was nice. <laughs> it's all, it is good to actually get your cake and eat it too. Like, you know, people say oh, really? you can't have your cake and eat it too. People do this. Yes, they do. Some people <laughs> don't even get the cake, let alone get to eat it. It's good that you got to eat the cake as well. Yeah. Now, fast forward, you know, another year and it's coronavirus and the coronavirus throws us all in a wreck. Um, you know, I am on the continuation of a really good running streak. I did 11 miles this morning and it was not nearly as fast as I could have done it in the past, but it got done. Um, and in the spring, like for me, I needed to get out of the house. It was anxiety, it was stress, like I was going to lose my mind and 38 degrees was not cold enough to make me not go run and so I've run more in the last six months than I probably have and cumulatively since I've been out of college (laughs) it's embarrassing to say but like I have not I've I mean I was running but like not like this like I was playing ultimate frisbee that was my running 
Yep. Um, so like, how did that affect you? Cause you know, you, you started ramping it up with running and I was just telling you earlier before we started, like, I didn't know you liked running. I'm pretty sure you, I knew that you did not like to run. Did not. <laughs> yeah, no, I used to, to not like running. Um, I think also just cause like my sports background, particularly like with soccer and stuff, like running was our punishment. <laughs> um, so I, I hated it. Uh, I'm not good at it. I'm like, I'm never going to be a fast distance runner. Um, and that, that's okay with me. Um, that's also kind of why I'm doing this too. Cause it, this is something that's just entirely for me. Um, something that I have complete control over. Um, also got to make up for not being able to run for eight months. So, you know, that's, that's been a crazy swing too of going from an eight month period where I could not run and could only lift to this, where it's like, I can't lift at all really. Cause gyms, well, they're open here, but it's not safe. I mm, don't trust my gym that much. Um, so I can't lift and I can only run. So, I mean, I started slow, like my first, my first run that I tried to go on in quarantine, I think I made it maybe two and a half miles and it was painful. It was not, <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> Um, I always I remember it. I was like, ah, this is why I don't like running. I'm not good at it. It hurts. Like, I'm not going fast. This is just awful. Um, but again, somewhere like my injury recovery, like I just, I just had to take it one day at a time. Um, and I just had to keep telling myself that like, Hey, like you have a lot of catching up to do. You spent a whole year not being able to train your endurance and your durability like this for your body. Like, I had to make up for that. Um, so at first it was just kind of for those reasons. And then somewhere along the way, I actually really, really started to enjoy myself, um, which was weird. Um, but it's, it's also just been a good reinforcement of a lot of the mental toughness training that I've had. Um, and like, there is a beauty, I think, to running, which again, if you'd asked me like four years ago, would I ever enjoy running I would have been like hell no never like it is the thing I do because I have to be in shape it's not I don't do it because I enjoy it um, so what was this beauty that you found <laughs> I mean I'm a bit of a masochist so I really really enjoy uh pushing my myself and my body to my limits um and like, I, I crave that. I need that. Um, I'm the kind of person that like, I, I have to do something. I have to run or work out or do something every day, pretty much. Or else like I have trouble sleeping and like, it's just not good. Like I, I need it. It's mm. probably not great. And there are <laughs> aspects of that that are probably not super healthy, but I need it. Um, yeah. Just like the, the beauty of just like, I don't know. I love like, the harder the workout is, the more I love it. Um, so, and also like, I love challenging myself. I love seeing what I can do. And with running, like the sky was a limit because I'm not good at it. I was starting from zero. So it's like, all right, let's see where are we with this. Um, and just like learning to love the, the alone time. And like, it was a time for me just to like put everything else out of my mind and just, just run that that was kind of nice and necessary because with frisbee there's so much thinking involved um and like that's a good thing and a bad thing and also like i had suffered through some like really bad team culture here so it was just nice to do something just for me where i didn't have to worry about anyone else and what they thought of me um it's just it's just me like the beauty is like I, there's mantras I tell myself because not every day is a good day. Some days just hurt and suck and that's fine. Like I've, I've had to learn to be okay with that, which has been a good lesson for me in my life. I'm just like, not every day is going to be great. And you just get through it. And like the whole, again, it's like the whole one step at a time thing. You're just putting one foot in front of the other and like you can get through a lot of things that way. I literally had that conversation this morning. So like today was not a good day for me. Um, and not even just the run, like traffic, getting around. Yeah. Like, oh my God. 
So this morning, we start the run. No, I don't even know if it was – yeah, we, we started the run, and it's like a half a mile in. Literally, I mean, I did 11 miles. Half a mile in, I was like, bro, this ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I might stop at three for real, for real. But it was like this bridge. I wanted to really take this picture at this bridge. And so one of the other guys who, like, he does these long runs, he's an ultra marathoner. Mm. He runs up next to me. So we're running for a few miles together until, like, mile five when I need to go to the bathroom. And so we're running, and, he, you know, we were talking about this notion of it. Every day is just not a good day. We were talking about his daughter, like, you know, reminding his daughter. His daughter's, like, 13. Like, you know, not every day is a good day. And, you know, some kids or just people in general think, and I know I do this sometimes, more often than not, like, every day needs to be the best. Like, this needs to be great. Yeah. This ain't it. And just trying to, like, continually accept, like, you know, it's every day is not going to be a good day. And I'm running, like, a half mile in. I'm just like, my legs are sore from this workout yesterday. I've been up since six. We ran at eight. I've been up since six. I have two hours to go eat an apple. Why did I wait till 7.51 to eat the apple? I don't know. So now I'm running and it's just bobbing in my stomach and I just feel miserable. I'm like, this could have digested. I could use some blood sugar right now. (laughs) But it's good that you recognize that. So you um, ended up taking this whole running experience to a more extreme point. And uh, for someone with your background, that's pretty extreme. So kind of like tell us what led up into this and, you know, how you got there and how it felt. Yeah, so with the, with the half marathon, um, I, with like sports and working out, I do really well with, with goal setting. Like if I give myself a goal, particularly if there's a date attached to it, I do great. I can, I can work with those. Um, and also like given like that last year I had like done a big thing on the anniversary of my knee injury, I was like, I would like to keep that going just because it's a good reminder to me of how far I've come and that like you know reminding myself that like that really dark place that I was in when I was trying to recover and when I thought that I couldn't run anymore when I thought that my body just wouldn't be able to do things anymore um that this was a good reminder so a couple some of my friends here have been training for half marathon stuff um and I was like you know I could probably do this too it was a time when I was starting to get into longer runs. I had started trail running and I loved it because like there's no people, there's no roads. It's nicer on my body because it's not concrete. Um, so I was just really loving just being out on the trail. Um, and I was like, why don't I do a half marathon? Like, why not? I, I was like, I think I'm in good enough shape that like I could probably get through it. It's not going to be the fastest thing. It's not going to be the most fun thing, but I also like doing really hard things as a reminder of what I can do. Um, it's a good way for me to be like, I can do this. And like, especially with like coronavirus and quarantine, I feel like there's just like a certain like aimlessness that I don't do well with at all. Like the uncertainty, the aimless, like ambiguity of everything. And like, and this was like, this was something that would provide structure to me. It was like, I'm going to set this date. I'm going to have to do the training for it. Structure. Um, so like, because my issue right now is my days are just blending together. Weeks mm-hmm. are blending together. Um, so like, I needed a way to differentiate all of that. And so I had to figure out where to run it. And because I'm also a glutton for punishment, I was like, no, do I run this on the road that is nice and flat and just easy? No. No, that's not fun. We're going to run on the trail. We're going to do like 1,500 feet of climbing with this as well. <laughs> and it's going to be a technical, it's a technical trail. Um, there's a lot of rocks and roots and I have, I have, I also sprained my ankle about a week before this run. <laughs> it's still not back to 100%. But I was like, you know what? It feels okay. We're going to do it. Like, it's fine. Um, we're going to push through it. Like, I had rehabbed it to a point where it was, it was workable. So yeah, the run sucked. I mean, it didn't suck. It was really fun. Um, it was fun up until mile 10 and then the last three miles were awful, but that's fine. I also fell at mile 10 and like gashed my knee open and had to finish the run with blood running down my knee. It was fine. (laughs) Um, it wasn't bleeding that badly. It looked bad because I was also really sweaty. So it just looked worse. 
Um, got a couple terrified looks from other people that were hiking on the trail with their small children. It was fine. <laughs> there you go, corrupting the youth. Oh my God, look at me. Yeah, so, no, I, I just wanted, it really was just like, I needed a reminder of what I could do and yeah, needed something to train for. And I am right now trying to figure out the next thing that I want to train for. Um, also, the weather is getting kind of cold. Days are getting shorter, so. So, there is, I, I haven't been pressing this. I told a couple of the members about it, and then I haven't went back to it. But it's actually, I'm pretty sure it's in North Carolina. There is this crazy-ass Spartan race thing that I found. You go look at it. I can send it to you. I don't have to find it again. But there is some crazy Spartan race event. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, I think I think I know the one you're talking about because I, I was looking for races and I think I came across it and immediately was like, nope. Oh, why'd you say no? Mm. So the other injury that I've been rehabbing this year is uh, like right after nationals, which were in October last year, I I got an MRI of my shoulder and I had a 50% torn rotator cuff. You and your shoulders have been like yeah, I know my shoulders bad for years. <laughs> Yeah, this the shoulder's been bad for a while. So, but it, it feels pretty good. But like, I don't know that I can do any of the upper body stuff without. Well, like the climbing and all that. Some of it, I probably could do. It feel, my shoulder feels really good right now. Um, but I mean, I am happy to try. If you get a group it out to, there, you know, just if you get a group of people to come down, I that would definitely motivate me to try to do it. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can get a few of them to go. I mentioned a couple of them were interested. I just gotta keep pushing the pressing the button yeah. a bit. Um, that North Carolina is awesome. beautiful right now. The fall here is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was 30, um, 36 degrees this morning. It was pretty terrible. Like, it actually did. Well, I'm not going to lie. It did not feel, I hate saying this. I really hate saying this. It did not feel as bad as the temperature looks on my phone. Yep. Like, when I look at it and it says 36 like, degrees, it's like, bro, what? It's like, coronavirus shut down all over again and i got outside i mean it was still cold but it's like my brain was ready for it to be so much colder that i went out like okay it's not that bad but i imagine it's got to be like in the upper 40s there um yeah like we i think last night it got down into the upper 40s and then like today it'll be in the like 60s 60s 70s are like the high right now Oh, so I wish it was back in the seventies. It's been like in beautiful, the no humidity, um, sunny. It's, it's been yeah. The weather has been super nice. Um, although we we have been getting some of the storms, so those have been not fun. I went running the other day and like I knew I had to make it short and like no joke. Like ten minutes after I got back to the house, just like thunder, lightning, rain. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> all right <laughs> i've gotten caught out in the rain several times on my runs because i'm like oh i think i can make it oh i don't know I don't. Games. <laughs> i'm like if i i'm like cause i won't run less than two miles so it's like all right if i don't think i have a good like more than 15 minutes to run and this looks like mm -hmm. impending doom i'm just not gonna go <laughs> cool so thank you for hop oh we got a little freeze action here Hold on, hold on. A little freeze action. Um, this has been fun so far. I wonder if I'm actually frozen on the official track or not. Let's see what happens here. All right. Got a big smiling face on the freeze action. I, it's still recording, so we'll see what happens here. Hey, you back? Yeah. Okay, I wonder if that was me that actually froze out. I thought I it was can me. see you. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing all that. That was really fun. That was really cool. Um, last thing, kind of tell you know, tell some people what are some last things that they should know. You mentioned mental toughness a lot, and I think that you know some people give mental toughness its due diligence and its credit, but I feel like some people don't really acknowledge what's necessary for that like why that kind of grit is important in life and how you obtain that and so if you're going to leave us with some thoughts on how you can how you work on you know sharpening the the blade of your mental toughness so to say yeah um i think for for me so i got a lot of formal training with it um 
my old swim coach, she made us go through it. And I remember at the time I was like, why are we doing this? Like, it felt like I was like, I don't understand this. Um, but really thankful now because a lot of it was, um, to me, mental toughness is about how I respond to negative or adverse situations. So, and like, you can do prep work for that. And I think that's the hard thing is like, some of that's like visualization or like, I remember she would talk us through scenarios of like, hey, this has happened. Like, we're going to train you to condition your responses to these things. Um, and then I had coaches in college for Frisbee also do this. I think a really useful thing, that, and this is something I still do when I coach to this day, is I have people go around and be like, hey, when you make a mistake on the field, like, what is your first immediate reaction? And I tell people, I'm like, just say whatever. Like, because for most of us, it's not a nice word. <laughs> yeah, I cussed myself the hell out. Right? I said, I cussed myself oh, out. Yeah, no, same. Um, yeah. So, and like I tell people, and then, so we really go through that. And like a lot of people, they're like, oh, and then my first thought is like, I need to go and like get the D. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's back it up. Like, break it down. And again, it's like going back to like, the, just putting one foot in front of the other. It's like, all right, like, break it down more. Like when something bad happens don't put the cart in front of the horse and think about like what you need to do down the road. It's like, what do I need to do right now in this moment after something bad happens? Like that to me has been probably the most useful thing. Um, especially like in Frisbee, like if you cause the turn or something happens, like you can't hang your head. Like you have to like, the game transitions really quickly. Um, so also playing Frisbee is a like good way to keep that sharp too. Cause like turn happens and it's like, I can't hang my head. Like, I got to go get back on defense. And like, for me, what I try to condition and like teach my players is like, Hey, if something bad on the field happens, like don't focus on like the bad and the emotion, like don't hang on to that. Just think about the next thing you need to do. And like, for me, like on fris like Frisbee, it's like, if I cause a turn, then like the next immediate thing I need to do is like get into position with my person that I'm guarding. Like, just think about that. Um, like get, don't get too far ahead. Um, and then the other pearl wisdom that I got from my old coach in college was she would say memory of a goldfish. Mm. So bad things are going to happen. Like you're not, again, like not every day is a good day. You're not always going to play super well. Not every time, not everything you do on the field or everything you do is going to be great. Um, there's gonna be a lot of bad, like we all mess up. It's fine. And just like, don't linger on those. Like, move past it because if you stay stuck on those mistakes like it'll keep causing problems like those things will stay and haunt you wow. <laughs> if you fixate on them too much oh yeah oh yeah so. and it's funny because some people they'll get caught up on that stuff for years like they'll think about these yeah. mistakes for a long time it's like come on man like that was a while ago you've played yeah. a lot, lot more since then <laughs> right it's like got it's like take what you need from that moment if there's a learn if there's a lesson to be learned take that lesson move on yeah um and the idea of like having learning how to do mental resets that's been huge um and something again that i try to teach my players so like when i coached at pit like we would have breaks and like when i played club our coaches would be like all right you're gonna take a three minute break between these drills like get some water get ready to come back and do the next thing and oh by the way you can't talk or think about frisbee for the next few minutes like that was a rule that one thing like, yeah, you, you know, Eddie Peters. Yeah. That was like, yeah, that was like something he did with us. He was like, all right, you're going to take this break and just not think about Frisbee and then come back and be ready to do this new drill. That's very cool. I'm, I'm like mental reset. Yeah. I like, I love mental resets. Cause like you can have a really shitty drill at practice and it's like, all right, just take a break, like distance yourself from that drill and then come back ready to attack the next thing. But. nice now speaking of coaching uh last thing i want to kind of hit at i saw before covid happened you actually started coaching um pro women's ultimate did all right tell like how that's come about tell us the story uh, it i kind of applied on a whim so i had actually gone to tryouts for the team um not really the i i, I did want to see how i stacked up against other people but also like I was pretty fresh. This was in January. So it was pretty fresh out of my shoulder recovery. Um, so really I was just was curious how my shoulder felt. And I was like, all right, what a, it was more of a data point for me to be like, 
all right, what do I need to work on next with my shoulder? Um, and it was good. I, I did like a huge chest high layout and landed it and didn't feel a thing. And I was like, oh, this is good. We're good. Um, I was like, I got what I needed to get out of this. Uh, didn't make the team. Teams, again, team culture and the community here, there's a lot of, there's a lot of not good things. Um, but I've also learned that the best way to change a system is from within it. And like, that's why I coached men's college because I had a really bad experience with a men's college team at a tournament in college. So I was like, all right, we're going to make sure that these, that, you know, I provide a strong role model for these boys as a woman, like that's important to me and I can change this better from within the system versus outside of it. So I also thought like I've played in so many different systems um, and like the systems that they use down here for playing are like very, very specific and rigid. And I don't like that. And I think it's, a problem and I've had the ability of I've been taught by the best in the world I've played in multiple different places with different playing styles so I was like all right I have a diversity of perspective and I think that's helpful here and like I think that could be a really positive thing um also I'm friends with a lot of people on the team like there are a lot of good people here like <laughs> I know I, I there's a lot that I don't like but there are there are genuinely good people here um that I like to hang out with so I also just wanted to provide more diversity as a coach because coaching here is not very diverse. There's a lot of white men that do it. And I was like, all right, let's, let's not have that. Like, let's, let's bring a fresh perspective. Let's, let's bring something else. Um, like, I don't like that all the high, most of the high level coaching positions here are held by like white men. Like that doesn't sit well with me. Um, so I'm like, also understanding that like my body with my injuries, like I only have a certain amount of time left to play. So I'm trying, like gonna start transition. Like I've already really started the transition at this point. Like, I don't know if I'll come back to playing once COVID's over, but mm -hmm. like I can always coach and I love coaching. So I just really like coaching. That's the thing. Like I, <laughs> I was only slightly offended when um, my partner told me that he was like, yeah, you're, you're a good player. Like you're not bad. I mean, and he's like, but you're a better coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but that's your jam. Um, and that's cool. Yeah, I guess we didn't really hit on that. You coach men's ultimate. Actually, you're one of I – mean, you're definitely the first that I can think of um, women that I personally know who coaches a men's team. Not like, not you know, uh, like a mixed – like how like for track and field, you might have a woman and she coaches the sprinters and it's everybody, but like you coach a men's team. And I think that's uh, really unique and remarkable. Yeah. I mean, credit to, to the pit system. Like they were really wanting women coaches and um, like Christy has also been helping coach the men's A team there too. So like they, they, they do, that is something that they were intentional about, which I really enjoyed. Um, and like, I love those kids and I'm so proud of them. And I think as a coach, there is no better thing for me to tell my players than the fact that I'm proud of them. Yeah. Like, that's all I want. That's <laughs> all we ever want as coaches, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and like, that's why, that's part of why I coach, because I love seeing the growth in players. And like, that's exciting. And like, to help develop, like, player development is really like my, where I excel. And like, that's how I marketed myself when I was interviewing for the, the pro coaching job. I'm like, I'll break down film, I'll scout, but also like, I love working one-on-one -on -one with players and doing development. Like, and that, like any level you need to do that. Yeah. So. Okay. Awesome. Hey, thank you for sharing that. That was really good. I hope you all got something um, really good there. Kayleen dropped a lot of gems on you over this. So um, rambled a lot. <laughs> rambled a lot. It's okay. That's what I do on a daily basis. <laughs> um, hey, so make sure you like, subscribe and share, you know, this show training well done. Um, you can find it on wherever you like to listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's also on YouTube. And um, you can find Kayleen on Instagram at Kayleeny Pasta. Um, I don't great. post ever. She doesn't post. So, like, I mean, <laughs> if she follows you back, you're just going to have a shadow follower. <laughs> I think her third or fourth post down was a video from the gym like a year ago. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yep. So, Make sure you check it out, share it, um, find some clips, 
leave a comment under the video on, on the Instagram site. We're also on YouTube uh, under my Coach Donald name. But if you type in Training Well Done, this will pop up. Leave a comment about your favorite part of this show. Thank you very much, Kayleen. Um, we'll see what Kayleen does next. Maybe I can drag you into that uh, Spartan race in North Carolina. Or, you know, maybe she'll do a marathon. Maybe. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm really hoping I don't plan to ever do one. Like I keep saying 40, but like now I'm like, okay, maybe I'll do it like 35. And then like while you were talking, I had this fleeting thought like, you should just go out next month, next week and just go run a fucking marathon. I'm like, bro, what? This is a terrible idea. It's this bad. Why am I t- my timeline's getting moved closer? I'm like, I want to still keep playing ultimate and being fast. And my issue with the marathon is I don't want to train for the marathon. I just want to go run it. I don't want to do the training that's involved. Yeah. Yep. just make me slow but thank you all um and we'll see you next time here on training well done where we look at the what the why the how of good quality training peace out